Juliet Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 168 of Dogcast Radio, which includes my expedition to Bridge North in Shropshire, which is bidding to become the most dog-friendly town in Britain. When you've got um, a three-month-old golden retriever in your arms, most people are very enthusiastic (laughs) (laughs) about allowing you into their shop. Um, But it turns out that people had had been allowing dogs in the shop for years and um, Mm. most actually have a little stash of dog biscuits under the counter. So, yeah, they're really enthusiastic. But before that, we have a mind-blowing interview with Jennifer Arnold, who founded assistance dog charity Canine Assistance. When I read about Jennifer's approach to dog training, which focuses on educating the dogs rather than taking a more traditional approach, I knew I really wanted to interview her and find out more. And I'm so glad I did, because it's an amazing story. I'm talking today to Jennifer Arnold. Hello, Jennifer. Hello. Hi. Um, And we're going to talk about your charity, Canine Assistance. Um, And you, you train and supply assistance dogs, but you do it in a very... Beautiful. I'm going to say you do it in a beautiful way. And I read an article about you, and I, I sort of was so intrigued. And you you train or educate your dogs in a way that empowers them. And you you use an approach called non-training at its best. So what is that? Well, it, and actually, yes, we we really we try to refer to it as teaching. And um, our overall approach has shifted over the years from, um, you know, it, first the very force-based methods to when we didn't know any better to positive reinforcement and, and now finally into where I, I know that we will stay, which is a, sort of a social learning um, basis. And so rather than seeking to train our dogs to robotically respond to cues or commands, we we educate them so that they can make good decisions on their own without requiring our direction. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is fascinating because what we usually want from our dogs is, is just to obey us. You know, we, I'm telling you to do something, do it. Right, and you know what? I, I have to argue with a, a, a true... I don't think that's what we really want. Mm. I, I think that's what we've been told we were supposed to have. And to me, obedience and functionality and, and willingness are totally different concepts. And and I think that, that sort of hyper-obedience uh, actually inhibits you know, thought and mm. um, and the ability to, to function on one's own, which our dogs have to do yes. to yeah. be mentally healthy and, and parts of our family. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is particularly relevant for, for assistance dogs, but it is true for our pet dogs. They have little brains. They have their own thoughts. And I do think it's sad. They don't have more chance to express that because I, I can remember when... My dog Buddy was mm, only a few months, and he got a boot, a little plastic, sort of a rubber, you know, dog toy, and he was trying to stand it on the edge of the sandpit, my daughter's sandpit, and I watched him, and he was quite deliberately trying to stand it there, and he'd stand it up, and it would fall off, and he'd get it again, it would, he would stand it up, and there was no point to it, but it was obviously something right. that had, had occurred to him, and he was like, it I'm meant going to something do this. to him, mm. yeah, yeah, and absolutely. So, they are little personalities, though, aren't they? 
Well, and, and for the longest time in animal training overall, um, we followed the, you know, the, the uh, behaviorism school of psychology where, where we focused on conditioning and, and we've believed the, the Skinnerian concept that the, the mind, the black box, as he called it, um, where thoughts and feelings are, are both unknowable and irrelevant, that behavior is all that matters. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we've come to realize that um, it's those thoughts and feelings that drive behavior. Yeah. So we must at least try to understand them um, in order to to appropriately control or or influence, not control how our dogs behave. And you know, doing otherwise opens them up to um, such anxiety. And and we see that. I mean, it's it's in the UK and the US um, dogs that unbelievably high percentages suffer um, from anxiety-based behaviors. Mm-hmm. And I think we're causing that by accident. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think one of the ways that we're causing it is by not giving our dogs the tools that that they need to function on their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it is horrific when you start to think, on it, think about it on that level. Um, but, they, yeah, they... <laughs> This really does appeal to me because there's no other relationship that we have in life that we approach going, you must obey me. You must do exactly what I say when I say it. And you must. Oh, you're so right. And it's and it's crazy. I mean, you you really cannot have a, a true relationship where, you know, you tell the other party all the time what to do. You wouldn't invite a a three-year-old child into your home and say, sit, stay, you know, eat, drink, leave it. All of those things that we, that we do. And, And I think what we haven't focused on enough is that dogs want to make us happy so badly. Yes. Yeah. That all of this telling them what to do really makes them uncomfortable and nervous. And then they start worrying about, what the next cue or command you're going to give is and are they going to get it right and if they get it right are they going to get that click or that treat and and it just becomes this vicious cycle where the dog can't think for himself and when we went into what we call the bond-based approach it's sort of our our philosophy of non-training um and and educating what we saw immediately was that the dogs are capable of doing so much more than we ever thought possible. Um, when they aren't anxious about pleasing us, it, it, changes, it changes everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, we now have dogs who we can, using the palms of our hands, um, and that we, we teach the dogs to nose our left hand to indicate yes and our right hand to indicate no or vice versa or... And, and we can, using our hands, say, for example, um, is my blood sugar out of range, yes or no? Wow. And if the dog indicates yes, you can then go on to say, is it high or low? <gasps> and they'll tell you. Wow. That is we, our, our dogs are 
counting. They're picking out letters in the alphabet. We have dogs that can spell their names by, by picking out the letters in their names in order um, <gasps> from the alphabet. And you know what? I've had so many people say, what difference is that? You know, that's not going to help them as assistance dogs or even as pet dogs. But what I've realized is that when you ask people not to direct the dog's every movement with those commands or cues, you have to astonish them with the dog's capacity to learn and understand or they won't give the dog a chance. Mm -hmm. So once you see that your dog can pick out the letters in his name, um, you seem to let go of that overwhelming need that we have to tell them to sit and stay. Yeah. When standing would suffice. Exactly. Yeah. So a friend of mine the other day was checking out of a, a veterinary clinic, and and she's she's paying, and and in front of her is a is a woman who is also checking out, and she's got this lovely standard poodle standing next to her, and. And my friend said the dog was being absolutely perfect, standing there just beautifully. And all of a sudden, the the woman who was the owner looked down at the dog and said, sit. Mm. And the dog looked up kind of startled, and then she sat, and then the woman went back to writing her check, and then in a minute she said, down. Mm. And the dog hit the, hit the ground, and, and the dog complied. But it was totally unnecessary. Yeah. yeah. And this sort of arbitrary need to control their physical position diminishes our ability to develop a real relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's not that you don't, and we've had a number of people say, well, so you just never, you, know, you just let them do whatever they want. That's not the case at all. That it is, it is far more that like you would with a young child, mm-hmm. you say, quit acting like your father's people and get your head out of the trash can. You know, you, you say, this is not how we do things. Yeah. And you don't hesitate to say, that's not how we behave. But, but you don't, you, you give them that social information and you allow them to decide on their own what they will do next, rather than saying, you know, stay or or leave it or and they do they do the right thing they're yeah. designed to do the right thing yes yeah because i'm really intrigued by this i'm trying to sort of get my head around the actual process of the education do you wait for them to do a useful thing and then click it or reward it and then put a cue to it oh, i mean it, i'm really fascinated with how it actually works in practical yeah terms. i know it's it's kind of interesting all right yeah. so for the most part for the most part, we've let cues go. Um, hmm. Now, by that I mean the very overt um, either phrases or gestures or, or single words that we thought we had to use. For example, in the old days, we would say heel, which means assume a position on my left-hand side, and then let's go, meaning move as I move. Hmm. Now we say... I'm, you know, I'm getting ready to walk up the driveway. Would you like to go with me? And and we we might pat the left hand side of our leg to help them figure out where a good place to stand is. But but we don't we don't demand that they get in a particular position. Mm-hmm. Um, and miraculously enough, 
you really don't have to tell them what to do um, so overtly. It, it's interesting. Uh, when you say, I'm getting ready to walk up the driveway, the dog's all in. <laughs> you know, he, he wants to go with you. Mm-hmm. So in the way that we, um, that we teach them not to pull on the leash is this is, this has made more dog trainers kind of drop their jaws and just for a minute hmm. um, in, in a horrified <laughs> astonishment, <laughs> we food share. So we get a piece of string cheese or something that is safe for the dog and for human consumption. And we literally take a little bite and then break off a little bite and hand it to our dog. And, and we walk up the driveway um, you know, sharing food mm. so that we're staying connected to each other and that we're showing the dog that, um, yeah, that we're on his team and that we're, we're, we're kind and that we're good and that we're worth following and all of those things with, without worrying about actually directing their, their physical position. Yeah. They take care of that on their own. Wow. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And it's it's fantastic because I mean, dogs themselves will cooperate with each other. Right. So that's in and them to to cooperate. It is. Yeah. And yeah. and they imitate, and and they do. Um, you know, they'll literally imitate as they found out first in the um, in the studies in Budapest at the Family Dog Project. Um, and the scientific definition of imitation, which is quite precise and, and clever of the dogs, and then we know that they'll you know they'll mimic and 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 are prone to emotional and environmental contagion. And it, the bottom line is they synchronize with those they're bonded to or with, mm-hmm. and we use the bond to encourage the the synchrony. And that's really all you need to have, um, you know, huge impact on your dog's behavior. And, yeah. and as, a, as a wonderful um, benefit, not only have we seen that the dogs are capable of doing a lot more than we ever imagined cognitively, uh, we've noticed a dramatic reduction in anxiety. Mm-hmm. I think knowing that you have the ability to affect your own circumstance is critically important for all living creatures, all mammals, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you're helpless, and, and that, that gives you all kinds of, um, you know, anxiety. Mm-hmm. And, and so this has eliminated that, which has just had a, a tremendous impact on our dogs. Yeah, yeah. It's incredible. Now... One of the things, you know, when we were talking about then about um, you know the lady at the vets who sort of made her dog sit and down and things. Sometimes I think it's the people around us that we need to show them that our dog is under control right. and you know behaving well. And it's kind of that perception. So one of the things that I read was um, the names have been changed in this um, in this report. Yes. But it was Eddie <laughs> with his dog B in a department store. Can you tell us that story? Because that reaction, I guess, would happen quite a lot. Absolutely. A, a woman who was a stranger to the dog, and, and we have this happen with our dogs all the time. Mm-hmm. 
came over and commanded the dog to sit. And she, the dog looked up at her dad, who uses a wheelchair, like, what did she say? What, what, what did she want me to do? And it's not that she didn't recognize the word said. It was just, say what? You know, and that she didn't really have the right to, to ask that. And, and so the dog has this perplexed look on her face, and, and the woman says, your dog is not very well trained. <laughs> and, and luckily, we had prepared, we prepare our clients for this because they're not well trained. Mm. They're brilliantly educated. And so this young man said, God bless you, ma'am, for noticing. <laughs> um, we've worked quite hard to keep our dogs from being trained to robotically respond to, to cues. She is, you know, quite bright, though, and he, he pulls out, um, he has a vagal nerve simulator that makes his voice go kind of wonky every now and then. And so he has these photos that he uses with his dogs. And so he, his dog, and he pulls out a photograph of a cup um, and he says something like, can you get this for me, sweetie? And it's in his backpack hanging on the back of his wheelchair. Hmm. And she digs around in the backpack and pulls out the cup and drops it in his lap. And then he says, and, and what goes in the cup? And she goes back to the backpack and digs around and pulls out a bottle of water, wow. drops it in his lap. <laughs> and, and he said he, he didn't want to have to reengage with the woman because he, he, he was a little irritated with her. So he wanted to get away. So he said, I, I, I think we're running late. I, I feel like we need to go. Do we? Yes or no? And the dog hit yes, and they rolled away. <laughs> and the woman really was absolutely amazed. But until we, you know, until we do help people understand that obedience is not the standard for, for judging how good a dog is. Mm-hmm we're going to run into this problem. And recently I was in a, um, helping in the, the state of Missouri. Um, they have a huge uh, prison dog training program for their male inmates. And, and we were m- meeting and I was helping them understand this bond-based approach. And, and one of the things that we talked about was that right now the way dogs are assessed for safety in interacting with the general public is is to evaluate how obedient they are to directives. And I think that's a terrible idea because it doesn't tell you how the dog really feels. No, no. As a matter of fact, it masks that. So when we graduate our dogs the evaluation for their um, their public access doesn't have anything to do with being told what to do, but rather how quickly um, they relax in crowded places on their own, how, how well they can direct their own behavior mm-hmm. in these circumstances and, and, and when they choose to do so, so that we get a, you know, an honest look at how they being approached by children, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and I think we're, I think that's what's going to have a, a big influence on the public because um, we know that what we're doing right now in terms of um, judging whether a dog is safe or unsafe in the world is not really working. Um, you know, we've had so many bites, mm. and that's become such a big public issue. And so I think this is something that will resonate with people. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty easy to understand. 
Yeah, yeah. Because as you say, it's it's all very well. I mean, I'm I've I'm just thinking of someone who sort of had a dog that wasn't um, safe, shall we say, was was aggressive, and sort of she would say, "Well, I can put him into a down." Well, that's okay, but what what about the time when you're not there saying down, 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 right? And he, and he makes his own decisions. So it is about having a dog that can live in the real world, can react, can have things happen, and, and choose function. the right mm, choose right. the right thing, isn't it? Mm. And and you know we know that that a dog that's safe in the world is a dog that's comfortable in the world. Mm. And feel secure. And the last thing you want is to not get a good assessment of of how the dog feels. Yeah. And yeah. and that's what we're doing. So I, I'm hopeful that that people will be willing to to think about that another way. And then that would lead them back into how can we most easily help them feel comfortable and secure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, you've you've talked about the, the sort of training, empowering the dog and, and sort of showing them how they can say yes and no. And I can see, I mean, it's mind-blowing that you can actually sort of ask the dog then, is my, you know, blood sugar high and, or low? And I mean, that's just amazing. But this is something that pet owners can show their dogs how to do, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yep. And I, I think that giving the dog a voice um, is is really important and kind of the first step in, in helping a dog feel, you know, fully sort of functional in the human world is knowing they have the ability to communicate something to you and that you'll listen and that you'll understand. And, and it changes, changes your relationship with your dog from one where you tell your dog all the time Mm -hmm. um, to one where you, you ask. And um, you don't always have to ask, but you don't always ask with your spouse or your child. You know, there are times when you must say, you know, get a move on. It's not, would you, you know, would you like to go now if we have to leave? And that's okay. And it works in relationships because the majority of the time you ask. Mm -hmm. But in, in the animal training world, we've, we've been told over and over and over again that you never ask, you only tell. Yeah, yeah. So it was a big leap for us to let go of the idea that we had to tell and to begin trusting that the dogs would, would you know, make the right decision on their own. Mm-hmm. But they do. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's... And it's all breeds. A, a number of pet dog trainers in the um, States are using this approach, and it's working for them very well. Wow, wow. So how, if, if someone's listening and they fancy sort of seeing if their dog can, can do this, um, how do we empower them to sort of make this yes-no choice? Well, how... yes, okay, so yes and no is pretty easy to begin with, and, and mm-hmm. there's... there's um, Something that all everyone who who does research with animals is cautioned to get something called the clever Hans effect, which mm-hmm. in essence is that you're cueing the dog without realizing that you're doing it. We don't. That's fine um, for our purposes. If if indeed it is that you are cueing the dog without realizing it, that works too. Um, it, it there is a learning curve where they go from taking the right answer or the answer that gets them what they want and really understanding that when you say, do you want a 
a cookie, if they say yes, the cookie comes. Does that make sense? So, so if indeed they hit yes and choose the the right answer for them um, because they're reading your body language at first, that's fine. They mm-hmm. still ultimately learn the difference between indicating yes and no. So I often sort of expedite the learning process by you know, starting with something like um, cheese or something that the dog is really attract, really wants to, to snack on. And I'll rub a little bit in my left palm. And in my right hand, I hold that, that yummy, whatever, the cheese. And then I, I say, this is cheese. Do you want some cheese? And I hold out my left palm and say, yes. And they sniff the cheese that's on my palm. And I allow that to serve as their yes indication. Mm-hmm. So I give them the cheese. Then very quickly, we, you know, they, they realize that nudging my left hand means the cheese is going to come. Um, and, and then I can add in my right hand as no. Some people choose never to use the right hand as no. Hmm. Well, because the absence of yes is no. Is, yeah, yeah. So the no is kind of a parlor trick. But if you want to add it in, you can. So initially, I focus on, on yes. And then when I believe that the dog has grasped the concept, um, I'll move to another, like, um, would you like to go out? Um, yes or no, and or just yes. Mm. And you know, if the dog hits your your left hand with a paw or a nose, indicating yes, then I'll open the door and let him out. And if he says no, then then I'll say okay, and and we walk away. Yeah. Um, and and it is amazing how fast they pick up. Mm. What that means, and you know, then you've got not just yes and no, you've got so do you want to play with ball or disc um do you want to walk or swim you know you can start having some interactivity there and and really um once you're able to read your dog clearly and your dog knows that you'll listen you don't even need that anymore because you read it yeah but it helps bridge the transition there as you're learning to kind of read his body language and if ever you're unsure. Yes. Yeah. So people are convinced that they'll always say yes to food. They do not. <laughs> mm, wow. I've never had a dog, including black Labradors, mm. that, that will say, or yellow labs, that will say yes um, to food every time. If mm. what they want is water, then yeah. they say no. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah, they tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I wish I'd heard about this years ago because um, my daughter had um, a, a Bichon Frise and mm-hmm. Star, and she definitely had some strong opinions. She was a madam. Um, but one of her things was when it was walk time and the other dogs, you know, I'd get them on the lead and we'd be standing by the front door, and she would hang back and look at me like, I, I went yesterday, I'm fine actually, I really don't need to go. <laughs> and that was what I thought she was saying to me. And if I could actually persuade her to come with us, she would love it and she would run round um, and, and she would have a whale of a time. But initially it was like, no, I'm fine. And then I realized we had a harness on her 
because being a smaller dog, we didn't want to sort of um, damage her trachea at all. And she didn't like the harness. I think it clicked on her fur. Right. And then, right. yeah, then I realised that and we changed the um, harness. But if I could have held two things up to her and sort of said, do you want this or that? Or, you know, what is it? Are you happy she with this? She would have helped you understand yes. it. Yes. Yeah. That would have been wonderful. Much more quickly. And, and it's, you know, they're so forgiving um, mm. of our absolute inability to understand them for the <laughs> most part. Yeah. And, and our unwillingness to try. But I, I don't think that means that it's okay for us not to try. No. I, I think maybe just the opposite. But yeah. it means, you know, they're deserving of some effort. They work so hard to read us. Yes, yeah. We're cueing them all the time, mm. all the time. And the closer your relationship is and the more in tune and sync they are with you, the, the more they watch you and and can read you and and then you don't have to um you know direct all the time it's just it's wonderful we fly um for example with our with our service dogs they're allowed to fly in the cabin of the aircraft and mm. and I'm accustomed now to getting on the plane with the dog and saying uh, you know they they sit at your feet and, and I'm used now to getting on the plane and saying, all right, sweetie, it's going to be a long flight. And that that means settle in. We're going to be here for a while. Mm-hmm. And the dogs will maybe sit for a minute, but mostly they just go ahead and lie down and have a nap and I wake them before we land and everything goes smoothly. So recently I flew a friend's uh, a service dog from another organiza- a friend's organization and and they use positive reinforcement, and they're quite nice to their dogs, but but they direct. Hmm. And and I get on the plane, and I'm flying from Atlanta to Seattle, and it's got about a five-and-a-half-hour flight. And, and I look at this, this little lab, and I say, it's going to be a long flight. And he looks at me, eyes wide as saucers, like, okay, what do I do? <laughs> and it took me a minute to remember that I needed to tell him what to do. Oh, so then I had to say sit, and he sat, but he stood up. So the bottom line is five and a half hours of mm. directing his behavior. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, wow, this is no fun for either one of us. No. It's much easier <laughs> if you do it the other way. And I promise it it works beautifully. Yeah, yeah. It's it's incredible. I, I, I realize that the bond between someone who needs an assistance dog and the assistance dog is different and and probably a lot more intense than you know well, you, and myself with, you, the, with my pet dog but but that intensity developed what we saw at canine assistance mm. was that it took about a year for the teams to start getting really in sync and I realized finally that that's how long it took the people to to get tired of doing what we told them to do <laughs> and just develop a relationship with the dog mm-hmm. and get out of the dog's way. Because the dog will figure out what is appropriate to do if you get out of their way. Yeah. yeah. So now we see that it doesn't take that long anymore. Um, we don't. You know, can you imagine the setup 
before we went bond-based was that these people would come in from all over the country and and we'd have maybe 15 in a class and and they'd get matched with their dogs and, and the first thing we would do was give them a list of words they could use to, to control the dog. And we thought a relationship would develop. I don't know why we thought that that was a good idea because think about it for a minute. That's no way to form a friendship. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, first of all, it was hard for everybody to memorize all those words. Yes. And it's like you're being tested. Do you know how much, how much easier it is for people just to say, will you walk with me or do you want to go for a walk with me than, you know, heel, let's go, you know, quick, quick, what, yeah. whatever, whatever you use. Um, it, it just, and when they say it conversationally, I'm not, I'm not saying the dog can understand every word that you say, but what I am saying is that you say it in a way that's not intimidating and it allows the dog to assess everything about you and the circumstance mm. and, and make a decision. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, with all of our advanced um, behaviors, I think this is really neat, we're teaching it using imitation now. Mm. So switching on the and off the lights, um, opening doors, tucking open doors and closing them, uh, retrieving things, we demonstrate it and then say, can you do like me? And the dogs mimic what we did. Yeah, wow. But being willing to do that takes a dog who isn't afraid of being wrong. Yes, yeah. Which means you got to let the clicker go. Mm. You, you have to let the... The, the positive reinforcement, um, so positive reinforcement has enough um, of a conditional component to it for me to encourage people not not to go there, uh, not to think about things in those terms because hmm. what it is is um, what it looks like in dog training is I, I'm going to give you something you want, a, a treat, if you do as I say, I love you when you, mm. um, and and we found that they're much more secure if you simply say I love you. Yeah, um, we really don't we don't use food rewards. Um, we use treats, so you don't have to. You don't have to work for your food. We just give it to you. Mm. And that makes a big difference. Yeah. yeah. That, I mean, that goes against everything we're, we're told because we, we have to sort of be in control of resources. And, and they, <laughs> That's just such malarkey. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's ingrained by now, isn't it? It's, I know it is, and but you know you are in control of them, and and taking something that that you put you know a bite of in your mouth, and being willing to give your dog a bite of that is that's pretty powerful control. Oh, yeah. I mean that's yeah. that's yours, and, but you're showing the dog that you're willing 
to share and yeah. that you're that you're always going to provide and that it's you know they don't have to make an a on every test for you to love them and mm-hmm. i think it's something that we need to think about with our children um yes. as well yeah. as our animals mm-hmm. and they learn so mm. much faster when they don't when they're not afraid you know, yeah. their desire to please us is so incredibly strong mm. um, because they have to. Yeah, yeah. And they they want to do things, don't they? It's not like they go, oh, gosh, have I got to work again? They want right. to be doing something, don't they? Yeah, no, they do. They do want to do it because, you know, that's uh, what's made them so successful as a species or a subspecies is that they know how to make people happy. I mean, they know how to make people happy, and they they are well aware that it is not survival of the fittest. It's survival of the most cooperative. Yeah, yeah. And they live by that. Mm-hmm. And And we got a little stuck in the survival of the fittest. So in our minds, it tends to be, you know, it's my way or the highway. Yes. And and that's not what made us successful. I mean, you know, now you look at all the evolutionary anthropologists and the biologists who say, you know, mankind has been so successful because we collaborate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the same for dogs. And, and we cooperate with those that we like yeah. far more easily. Than, than anybody else. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can do it with fear, but, you know, you, you have to keep the fear involved, and that's just not something that's appropriate no. in our relationship with dogs or children. No, no, absolutely. And as you say, it's very, very limiting, because if you think, well, I could try this, but mm, she might shout or she, you know, whatever it is, you, right. you don't try it, do you? Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. Wow. It's um, it's incredible. I, I've really enjoyed talking to you. Um, now I know I, I I wouldn't sort of have done a full interview if I didn't sort of ask you to mention um, how canine you know sort of why canine assistance got started in the first place because it, it's it's come from a personal place for you, hasn't it? Very much so. I um, when I was sixteen years old, I, I got up one morning to go to the bathroom and I literally fell on the floor. Uh, couldn't make my legs do what they were supposed to. And, um, you know, we panicked, obviously, as a family. And I was hospitalized, and I was diagnosed as having multiple sclerosis. Um, And this was long enough ago that MRIs weren't around, and and my neurologist uh, told my parents that he was going to focus on trying to keep me from getting worse, um, but that the the chances of my walking again were not good, mm. and I absolutely fell apart. Yeah. And um, yeah. my dad had just read an article about the first dog being trained to help somebody who used a wheelchair, mm. and this was across the country in California, and he talked to this lovely woman, and unfortunately, she couldn't send a dog our way, and and so that my dad started thinking, we've always have loved animals so much, and he thought maybe this would give me something to focus on if 
if I needed a dog in our area, other people would too. And yeah. and maybe this is what I should do with my my life now that it was going to be different. And and he sat on the edge of my bed and and talked to me about doing that, and I was so excited. Mm-hmm. And two weeks after he had his first meeting with the accountants um, to set up the nonprofit organization that was Canine Assistance. He was walking home from our grandmother's house um, around a, a sidewalk that went around a big park in Atlanta, and a drunk driver on a motorcycle um, jumped up on the sidewalk and hit him. Oh. And he died the next morning yeah. um, oh, gosh. in the hospital where he had been a, an eye surgeon for oh. his career. And yeah. we that, were, that must have felt like fate really had it in for you at that point. Yeah, yeah, I quit. I mean, I, I, I sat in my wheelchair overnight in that intensive care waiting room, and I thought, first of all, if there is a God, I hate you. Yeah. And I'm always careful to tell people that I've since reconciled my beliefs yeah. so they don't have to send me pamphlets. Because <laughs> otherwise I get a lot of pamphlets. But we're cool now. It was yeah. just a very dark, was mm. a very dark night. And, and as the the hours went along, and I knew he wasn't going to survive. It was just his his colleagues couldn't let him go. And um, I really got to the point where I thought, this isn't worth doing, this life thing. It's not worth it mm-hmm. if, if somehow you're surviving the struggle doesn't make it better for somebody else who's suffering. So I made a deal with myself that I wouldn't give up if I thought that I could do something that would somehow make life better for mm-hmm. other people. And yeah. and it was a very selfish motivation and in so many ways that started Canine Assistance. And and as the years went along, and I am now walking and um, I have you know, bad times and, and mm. good times. I respond to steroids, so I'm very lucky. And But a few years into canine assistance, um, my, my desire to help people was matched by my need to somehow help dogs. Yeah, yeah. And because my goodness, I, have you. You've done so much, my goodness. Well, every day of my life, I see dogs do things for people that are so far beyond what we have any right to ask them to do. Mm-hmm. And they do it with such love and willingness. And I just think that it's important that we recognize that and that we are as kind to them as they are to us. Yeah, yeah. For Definitely. all our sakes. Yeah. I think that's important. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I always we I I did a tiny tiny bit of showing with Buddy at dog shows, and there's a, there's <laughs> a, a saying in there that you you always take the best dog home. But I think the trick I, is you need to take the dog home who thinks he's got the best owner. Oh, that, absolutely. Yeah, that's the aim for me. <laughs> you know? But you know, then he is the best dog. Yeah. That's the thing. When you love each other, you never ever hear of somebody who's just lost a beloved dog, whoever says, oh, I loved him so much because he was brilliant at downstay. Yes. 
you know, it's that's not what makes it our relationship important. No, no. It's the connection that gives us the great benefit. And I, I think we need to remember that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, where can people find out more about um, canine assistance online, Jennifer? It's um, canineassistance.org. And we have a Facebook page also, Canine Assistance. And um, we they can get information there about the bond-based approach. And um, I have a book, too, that's coming out. Um, in the states, and hopefully it will be picked up by a publisher in the in the UK uh, in August. Called "Love Is All You Need." Brilliant. Okay, we will um, we'll watch this space, as they say, and uh, I'd love to you know help people find that book. So so excellent, brilliant. Um, I'd love talking to you. It's fascinating, and I'd love to talk to you again another day. But thank you ever so much for now, and that's been really really interesting. Well, thank you so much for letting me come visit with you. I've enjoyed it. I thought that was incredible. I hope you did too. The bond approach to training is a revelation, and I imagine it will be a long time until it replaces the current approach. But thankfully, dogs are resilient and forgiving, and will bear with us while we catch up with them. To find out more about canine assistance, click on the link on the Dogcast Radio site to their website, Facebook page, or to Jennifer's books. Through a dog's eyes and in a dog's heart. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com. Do you ever read a book and think, no, it shouldn't happen like that? Well, check out the latest innovation in romantic fiction, Macy's Choice, which puts you in charge of the plot as you make life-changing decisions on the main character's behalf. At the end of each chapter in Macy's Choice, there are always two options, and you choose what happens next. With over a million and a half words, that's over 5,000 pages, 256 chapters, and 128 different endings, Macy's Choice is an e-book you can reread again and again, making new choices each time to vary your experience to find love with each of the three heroes. To find out more, visit macyschoice.com. That's M-A-C-I-E-S-C-H-O-I-C-E dot com or search for Macy's Choice on Amazon. There are around 7,000 assistance dogs in the UK and approximately 20,000 service dogs in the United States. I always trawl through dog-related news and this week one headline jumped out at me about Bridgenorth bidding to become Britain's most dog-friendly town. Now, Bridgenorth is only about a 30-minute drive from my house, so I had to go and investigate. The lady who got the whole thing started is Louise Gage, so my first call was on her. We weren't alone, though. We had the charming company of Louise's four-month-old golden retriever, Boo, as you will hear. According to the media, Louise is spearheading the campaign. Oh, well, there's no pressure at all there, is there, Julie? <laughs> yes, um, no, it's fun. It's, um, it's good. Good, OK. So where did this all come from then, this sort of trying to, trying to get Bridgenorth to be so dog-friendly? Where did you get the idea from? Well, the idea came in stages, really. Um, we live in a lovely historic market town where the shops um, are always trying to compete with the Amazon and the big boys. Mm. Um, and just driving through town one Saturday, we noticed how many tourists had dogs with them um, and, and kind of wondered... 
are they allowed in the shops or do they have to be tied up outside? Um, and we didn't really think much more about it. And then a few months later, we had our own puppy. Mm. And speaking to the dog trainer, he said just really how important it is to socialise young puppies to stop future problems with reactivity and and things like that. Um, So I started wandering around the town and and inquiring, am I allowed to bring her in your shop? And when you've got um, a three-month-old golden retriever in your arms, most people are very enthusiastic (laughs) (laughs) about allowing you into their shop. Um, But it turned out that people had had been allowing dogs in the shop for years and um, Mm. most actually have a little stash of dog biscuits under the counter. So, yeah, they're really enthusiastic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do think that Shropshire is very dog-friendly. It's quite a laid-back county and you do get away with things here that you might not get away with elsewhere. We've taken, when we had our Bichon Frise, um, again, a small, a small dog, you know, not, um, she's gonna, Boo's gonna be big once she's grown, but start, stayed small. We'd been to the, um, vets, and we didn't particularly want to leave her in the car, but we needed to pop into a supermarket. Not one of the, the big chains, one of the, the, um, supermarkets that you find in Shropshire and across Wales, I believe. I'm not gonna name names, but we went in with, with Star in her buggy, and we thought, we're gonna be challenged here. But we weren't. And it was so nice to just go around the supermarket with, with our, with our dog. And actually, the, the lady on the till sort of went, oh, she, a lovely dog and it was so nice so different and it does change the experience it does i think people assume that they can't go in a shop until they're told otherwise and i think really it should be the other way around we should assume that they are welcome um until perhaps they say oh no for for one reason or another you can't bring a dog in this shop yeah Um, yeah because i don't know about you but i've been turned away from i've been turned away from a garage from taking the dog in and you just think why and i i don't sort of get militant but i always sort of do challenge gently and i should say why and they always turn around i usually find and they go um it's the law isn't it (laughs) and you say i know yeah and and you think well unfortunately i know the law so you go um which law would that be and it the law law, it's the law yes and but the law does not ban dogs from shops or cafes or restaurants it just doesn't does it no i mean i i don't know that much about it so i assume food preparation areas have their own laws obviously but certainly we have six cafes on our list of dog friendly places in bridge north and several pubs um and a couple of hotels so no i don't believe the law does state i know the law states that guide dogs have to be allowed everywhere quite rightly um but no i don't think there is a legal requirement no no it's all you see that's one of my bugbears that you see these signs uh, no dogs except guide dogs it's no dogs except assistance dogs is the you know the law yeah. the, and I, I always sort of want to go and challenge that and say hang on a minute but anyway um but yeah that's the law that it's food preparation areas so if your dog wants to be a chef you're going to have problems <laughs> but <laughs> otherwise you know and i don't mind so much if establishments will have the the courage of their convictions and say we have chosen to ban you yes but if they say it's their right, of course. Oh, yes. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes, but I, I personally, I think that the objections that we've heard are um, that breakages could happen. Mm. Um, well, personally, I'd be more worried about my children breaking yes. things in the shop <laughs> than I would be, that. definitely. Um, and that people are scared of dogs. But unfortunately, that's such a shame for them. But if you live somewhere like Bridge North, you can't walk down the high street without encountering dogs. No. So no. you'll have to avoid them in the street the same way as you'd have to avoid them in, in the shop. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also with the breakages as well. I think people do have to exercise a certain amount of common sense. Yes. And if you've got a, a whopping great bouncy great day and probably don't take it in the antique shop. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, most people are sensible. Yeah. So yeah. Hmm. I think that's the thing, isn't it? With rights 
become responsibility. Yes. So you take it seriously. We, we need to be, I always say, every time you step outside the front door, you need to be the best ambassador you can be for dog ownership. So that's having a well-behaved dog, that's scooping the poop, it's having a dog that isn't, you know, dirty. That, you know, because one of the things people say, oh, they smell. But if you bath them, if you, and if you bath their bedding, they don't, do they? No, absolutely. I know some much smellier humans than I do. <laughs> dogs not at all um no absolutely and I, I have had a couple of people say to me that they think it's a lovely idea but that personally their dogs have behavioral issues um mm. and i think it's never too late to work on that yeah just because you have an eight-year-old that's got that's reactive it's not too late to have some training and to work yeah. on that and our last rescue dog um was reactive having not been socialized and we used a fantastic trainer um dog days in telford and they really, really worked on that. It's, it's not too late. Yeah. You can still... And yeah. helping them and taking them out with you rather than leaving them in the house yeah. is, going to, is going to make them more sociable. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So it's one thing to have the idea, to have this idea in the back of your mind and sort of think, oh, yeah, wouldn't it be nice if we could take our dogs, you know, more places in Bridge North? What did you do? How did you act on that? Well, we popped into shop. We just popped into shops and said, um, do you welcome dogs? And then... The more people that were saying yes, I just thought, well, we need to, people need to know about this. Mm. Because we had local friends who lived in, in Bridgenall 30 years and didn't realise this. Yeah. So we looked for some dog-friendly window stickers. We thought that was the most obvious way to go. Um, we couldn't really find any. They were prohibitively expensive. And then I spoke to um, Dog Friendly Britain and they offered mm. to supply them. So Dog Friendly Britain have supply, supplied all of the, the window stickers for us. Um, I think they've supplied over 100 now, wow. um, 50 of which are, are currently in the high street shops. Um, and it just went from there, really. But we, I think of all the shops we've asked, we've had two that have said outright no. Mm. Everybody else has either said mm. yes yeah. or um, we, a couple weren't allowed to due to restrictions from head office. Yeah. Um, and several have said, we do, but we wouldn't tell head office. <laughs> <laughs> so keep it under Aww, your hat. Yeah. Um, but now the vast majority of the high street, you can yeah. you can walk in with you with your dog. Mm. That's, that's brilliant because, like like we've said, there's there's no reason in most shops. There's no reason why not, as long as you have, you know you're sensible with taking your dog in. Yeah, so yeah, so you've you've gone along with that, mm -hmm. and you've you've got your stickers in the windows. And so where did the the momentum come from? Because you're now in the hitting the headlines. Where did that come from? Well, Facebook. Yeah. It's to blame for most things these days, isn't it, that take off? Um, we've got a lovely page in Bridge North, Bridge North Chats, Rants and Idle Speculation. Yeah, um, yeah. And I said on that that we were going around the shops and if any shop owners wanted to be added to the list, please let me know. And the reaction from it was absolutely phenomenal. Um, and these local chats things can get a bit negative sometimes, yes. but it didn't. It was yeah. really positive. Everybody was so keen. Um, and it just, somebody suggested getting in touch with the journal, um, which I did. I emailed the Bridgenals yeah. Journal and they were very keen. And then it went into the Shropshire Star and then the Shropshire Star, it went to um, the radio, yeah. Yeah, Shropshire radio station this morning. So and the response has just been absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. think we've had one negative comment. There was a comment from Shropshire Star and that was one negative comment to, you know, a thousand positive. Yeah. yeah. You, you'll always get... Somebody. Some people like to complain, don't yeah. they? It's just yeah, <laughs> so. absolutely. But I think that the enthusiasm comes from if you have a dog, you want to take it with you, don't you? You, you just want him with you. Yeah, nobody wants their dog sitting at home wondering when they're, they're coming home. It's the yeah. saddest thing in the world, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if we're all quite limited for time, so if you can combine doing your shopping with walking your dog, yes. that's going to save you an hour a day. You oh, know, yeah. that's that's yeah. useful time. Yeah. And of course, the other thing is nowadays we've made the decision we don't leave our dogs in the car 
We certainly wouldn't leave them sort of tied up outside a shop. We won't even leave them in the car because dog theft seems to be quite a, a quite prevalent now. So there's even more benefit for dog owners and for businesses to allow us to take our dogs in, isn't there? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't leave a four-month-old golden retriever tied up outside a shop because I'd be very concerned she wouldn't be there when I came back. Um, yes, and certainly, like you say, it's not really safe to leave them in cars. Certainly in the summer, it's not an no. option. So it just it just makes sense all round. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a brilliant initiative. I was thinking on the way here, are you then going to pick another town and see if they can become yes. the second most friendly, dog-friendly yes, place? I am. After Bridge North, we're going to Much Wenlock. Um, and we're, we're, then we're going to try and be the do- most dog-friendly county. We'll work our way through oh, Brown wow. but, but we've still got quite a lot to do in Bridge North, so yeah. that, that might take, take a while. That is a brilliant aim. I'm glad I live in Shropshire. <laughs> <laughs> yes, me too. So, having found out how the project got started, I went off to explore in Bridge North and find out how things were going from the point of view of the shopkeepers. My first stop was Whitburn Coffee House, where I chatted with Emma Rutter, and sure enough, just as Louise had suggested, dogs were nothing new for this coffee house. We've always allowed dogs in, um, and people over the years have just got to know it's a dog-friendly cafe, so, yeah, it's, it's very popular. We get lots of dogs in. Yeah. They're all well-behaved as well, yeah. I have to it say helps, they are. It, yeah. We've never had any accidents. Yeah. And uh, I hate to say it, probably better behaved than some of the children that we have here. <laughs> it's always the comparison you yeah, get, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's yeah. right, though. Um, but yeah. We train our dogs, though. Well, yes, this is true. This is true. Yeah. They are well-behaved. So this isn't a new thing for no, you? No, 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 no. Because Bridge North has hit the headline, sort of trying to be the... Being a Bridge North, yeah, yeah the most dog Yes. Yeah. But no, we've been here 17 years, and for 17 years we've allowed dogs in. Yeah. Yeah. And, and with no problems? No problems whatsoever. No, no, no. It's a pity more cafes don't do that because you must get more more custom because you know if I want to go out with my dog I'll choose somewhere that's dog friendly and it stands to reason well there are some people that are forcing against them some people have said oh I'm not going in there if there's dogs in there that's their choice yeah you know but it's not where the food they're not where the food is they're not where nowhere near the food no so there's health and hygiene there isn't a problem there they sit by a table by their owners occasionally you'll get the odd one or two barking at each other but I mean, a quick word from the owner, and, and they're quiet. I bet you get more customers arguing. The dogs well, yes, we probably do. We probably do, yes. I wouldn't say we have a lot of people say, oh, no, dogs, you know, but you do get the odd comments occasionally. Um, nobody's really that first, really. We can have several dogs in here all at once, and you wouldn't know there was a dog in here. You'd have one child in here, and you'd think there's 20. <laughs> Yeah, I, can I mean, we do it. We do like children to come in, and yeah. you know, we, but it, it's a comparison that you do make. Yeah. But you wouldn't know that there's dogs in here sometimes. No. 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 Do you think that it's sort of with with the right or the ability to take your dog into cafes and, and various places around Bridge North? Do you think with that sort of the owners should accept and expect a responsibility with that to make sure that their dog behaves? Oh gosh, yes, definitely. I mean, if you're going to bring your dog out, it's your responsibility to make sure that that dogs got all the things it needs with it um, and it is trained to a certain you know yeah. you wouldn't want a dog coming in that's 
going to start biting everybody yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and vicious or anything like that. But I mean, like I say, we, we've never had a problem. We've never. I think most dog owners are very responsible. Yeah. And then they they know their dog and they know if if they're going to start playing up, they'll they'll give it a quick word or they they, they, they go early or whatever. But we've we've never had a problem. You see, there's an interesting idea. Is it that Bridge North can afford to be so dog friendly because their dog owners are responsible? Well, it's got to be down to the owners. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the dogs can't look after themselves, so it's it's responsible owners really yeah. at the end of the day. And I think most people are aware of boundaries that dogs are allowed to take and what they're not allowed to take. It's nice to hear. Do you have dogs? I ne- I was brought up with dogs, and when I left home at 17, I never had a dog till two weeks ago. Oh, wow. So what have you got now? So we have got a Shipu. Okay, a poodle. Cross Shih-Poo? between a Shih Tzu and a poodle, yeah, yes. Yeah. And she's tiny, tiny. Oh. But yes, for... Well, my daughter's 20, and she's wanted one forever, so... Yeah. Um, so, yes, we've succumbed to... But that is because I've always said no, because I know the responsibility. It is a huge responsibility. I mean, it's lovely, but it is a responsibility. Exactly, and that is why I've always said no. I mean, my daughter's 20 now, and she said she would take a lot of the responsibility on herself. I said, that's fine, you know. um, And she knows where to come for a good cafe. Well, exactly, yes. (laughs) She's she's not allowed out yet, though. (laughs) So Whitburn Coffeehouse was indeed a very dog-friendly shop. But what about a chain store on the high street? I went to Fatface and was delighted to see a sticker on the door proclaiming it was a dog-friendly shop. I went inside to find out more from Ben Curtis about how the staff feel about welcoming dogs. Um, we get a lot of dogs in here. Yeah. A lot of dogs. A lot of our regulars bring their dogs in because they know, but some people still aren't aware. So well, I like to make them. I wouldn't expect to be able to bring my dog oh, in yeah. here. A lot of people, because they think it's a clothes shop, they yeah. think they don't want to get the hairs on the clothes. but. Yeah. We're really not too bothered. We used to have a, a little bowl of water by the thing. I don't know where that's gone, but we did have yeah. a little dog bowl that's from oh, the store. So. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of shops have, have got those as I've gone round. More than you see in a, a, a normal, I won't say normal in a bad way town, do you know what I mean? But yeah. in a non, yeah, not yeah. so dog friendly town. More than that. So Bridge North definitely is dog friendly. Well, I think because it's quite a rural area, a lot of people have their dogs. So I think it would be putting too many people off if they didn't, as, part, yeah. as well as like people just want the dogs in. Because it's an excuse for us to not do our work, quite frankly. <laughs> It's a good excuse as well. And it brings your blood pressure down. It it strengthens your immune system. So, yeah. yeah. It's part of workers' perks. That's it, yeah. Yeah. So, so letting the dogs in, it works for Fat Face here. Yes, absolutely, yeah. I mean, it brings people in. People will see, like, oh, there's a big dog that lives uh, just down the road, big St. Bernard's. Yeah. He comes in all the time and it literally draws people into the shop as well. So, that's the thing, isn't it? It's like a little bonus for us. Oh, brilliant. And you've got your sticker in the the window, haven't you? Little sticker in the corner of the window. Yeah. Yeah, let everyone know. Brilliant. <laughs> so you're, you're part of the campaign? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So I think it would be good for business, though, wouldn't it? For all, all of Bridge North, yeah. if you could get to be known as a really dog-friendly town. Absolutely, yeah. I think um, a lot of people always walking their dogs down the high street. It's a shame for them to not be able to just nip into the yeah. shops while they're doing that. Yeah. So I think it would bring even more business if more shops yeah. did it. OK, brilliant. Well, best of luck with the campaign, and I hope you do make it to be the most dog-friendly town in Britain. Thank you very much. Cheers. So far, so good. The shops seem to like letting dogs in. But I wanted to know from some dog owners how dog-friendly they found Bridge North. Natalie Hawkins was in Bridge North with her dog, a Havanese called Barney. And her uncle and aunt, Richard and Linda Downs, had their dog, Jess, with them, who was a New Zealand hunterway. Natalie and Barney live in Bridge North. 
but Richard, Linda, and Jess were visiting from Somerset, which made me wonder. Have you come just because Bridge North is so dog friendly? No, I've come to see my no, niece. No, okay, yeah, and she yeah. told me it was about the dog friendly. Dog friendliness, I'll have you know. Okay, yes. <laughs> It's not just dog friendly, he's got a sense of humour as well, yes. Bridge North. Okay, so do you find Bridge North dog friendly? Yes, I, I mean, I, we walk Barney around and I think when I saw it on Facebook that it's going to be more dog friendly, because when you do visit towns, I did think, yes, that will bring people in because yes. you can very often visit and it takes you ages to find a pub or a cafe where they're going to let you dog in. Yeah. And just pottering around the shops, apart from putting Barney in a pramps so that nobody notices him, I have done yeah, that before done that now. <laughs> Um, and then people go, oh, it's a dog. Yeah, it is difficult to shop or one of you ends up standing outside. So I yeah. think it's good. Yeah. It must benefit the businesses a lot to actually let those dog owners in, mustn't it? I would have thought so, yeah, yeah. because uh, if people are coming um, kind of out of the town and staying here, then they're going to want to bring the dog with them, aren't they? So, yeah, you end up just standing waiting, which isn't good for anybody. No. In fact, no. you've been this morning, haven't you, and had to st- stand and wait outside... Kinver cave houses and they couldn't let the dog in so one of them went in and then the other one went yeah, in yeah. So which you get into the yeah, habit of doing when you've got a dog yeah, you but if you want to own a dog you, you do expect that but if there's a place where you can go that has it you, ha- you haven't got to do that yeah you're going to go yeah. there aren't you yeah, that's, that's the thing you want me yeah. you take the dog or if you don't want the dog okay fine but then do you think as well that if you want that chance to take your dog into places you need to make sure that your dog is up to the you know will, will behave appropriately well, yeah but yeah you, you have to yeah yeah, yeah. and so I think it is a two-way street yeah, and because yeah. you wouldn't want to go into a restaurant yourself, would you? Where there yeah. was dogs like kind of slobbering all over everybody and jumping up and things. Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, Jess would be particularly well behaved, and nobody would know that she's there. And Barney's all right if he's got his push chair. <laughs> Because <laughs> then he thinks it's his little yeah. space. But that's it. No, your dog. Yeah. Some dogs do want yeah. to, you know, a space, yeah. a crate or a pusher or whatever. Their little den, don't yeah. they? And to be fair, he's fine as long as there's no other dogs. <laughs> and then he's very friendly. Yeah. But no, he isn't too bad. Yeah. Mm. Have you ever taken your dog into a shop here and sort of either been turned away or had, had, had a negative comment from another customer? No, because until I saw that on Facebook, I, if, because I'm local, I probably popped to the shops without the dog. And yeah. if I'm going to the park or something, or actually I walk the high street on a night time because it's quite nice as yeah. well when yeah. it's quiet. We actually laughed about it and said, let's take the dogs to see how dog-friendly Bridge North really is. <laughs> now, isn't that interesting? Yeah. Whether or not the town is yeah. dog-friendly, it's going to get some visitors to, on the reputation. It got us out this afternoon. Yeah. It got us out this afternoon to come and see. Well, I'm here as well. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Exactly. I mean, it's working. Yeah. yeah. So I'd like to say that we've been up here since Sunday in the Midlands and I found the Midlands to be far more friendlier today than in Somerset where we live. Oh wow, isn't that interesting? Now we've got more open spaces but they're less dog friendly and there's particular pubs where we live that just won't let you in with a dog and then you know you, you go into other pubs and they don't know she's there No. and no. shops as well. Yeah. Shops as well, so far more places around here. I think that you can go in with your dogs than where we live in Somerset. I wonder if there's a, a north-south thing here going on because certainly Scotland is very, very dog-friendly. So I wonder if the further north you get, yeah. is it more dog-friendly? Yeah. If you let your dog off on, if you left, let let your dog off on Exmoor, yeah. the farmer's likely to shoot it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas if you let your dog off in up up on the Glen Hills, Waisley, wherever around here, so they, they all yeah. seem to be. 
OK. Uh, just have it. a moan. We Brummies moan. We don't shoot, we moan. <laughs> <laughs> they are both Brummies to start well, me too. Yeah, me yeah. too. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm classing myself as a Brummie, having a moan about Brummies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, 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 no. Well, as I say, we've walked around this afternoon and everybody's been happy. And it certainly brought us into the town yeah. because of the stickers and Facebook. Yeah. All right. And as you say, it's brought you in here. So. Yes, I've come to have a mooch. So so, for four of us extra. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I had fun in Bridge North. It certainly is very dog-friendly. And I foresee going there again and again. Now I know how welcome Buddy will be. Do you think that your town is very dog-friendly? If so, let us know. And do tell us what it is that makes it such a great place to take your dog to. Don't forget that you can find this and all our shows on our website, dogcastradio.com. And until next time, when we have a fun interview with Dogtology author Jeff Lazarus, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. You can contact us on Skype with the ident Dogcast Radio. That's all one word, Dogcast Radio. By email, you can contact me on Julie at dogcastradio.com When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. What does my dog and my phone have in common? They both have caller ID.